1 Thessalonians chapter 1, in our series on authentic Christianity, um, we're going through uh, the book of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, we're in verse 6 today through 10. When you get there, say amen. amen. If you're not there yet, say hold up. All right, all right. I want you to read with me uh, starting in verse 6. <clears throat> Let's start reading together. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. Okay, let's start that over. Amen, somebody. <laughs> all right, we're going to start at verse 6. I'm going to start with the word and, all right? The conjunction and. There it is, verse 6. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. Themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned from God, yes, and to wait. I want to uh, talk about today within our series on authentic Christianity um, having an authentic reputation having an authentic reputation. Father God, we, <clears throat> I pray, I, I've been getting this feeling like we've been going from sermon to sermon, Lord God, and I'm just praying, God, that this would be more than just a message where somebody just say they got a word. But God, I, I pray that there would be Holy Ghost penetration on the deepest level of the soul, the deepest level of transformation, that this wouldn't be some ceremony, God, of, of, of powerless words, but God, will you make this, uh, 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 will you make the power of the Spirit come forth with mighty might, Lord God, to change lives and to wreck people for your glory. God, we're going to believe that you're going to make deep changes, deep, deep, deep development in the lives of your people that they will never be the same. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, God, our strength, our Redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, we're in our series on authentic Christianity, our summer series. And, you know, we like to go line by line here as much as possible to kind of get uh, the, the, the sense, but extracting principles that are, that are theologically weighty yet practical and connecting to you. Um, if I could just start this off today, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I have always wanted, there's three classic cars that I want. I probably, I don't know if I'll ever get them, but, but I, 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 every time I see one, I, I kind of, your boy wig out, man. So um, I, I, it's three I want. One is uh, the, 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 the 1967 Mustang, right? I, 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 I want me in Jesus' name a Mustang, all right, <laughs> from 1967, but may not get it. Um, also, a 1970 Roadrunner, all right? Uh, that, that's a good car, man. But, 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 the, but the mother of them all, to me, to me, it, it, it is, is, is the Chevy Chevelle 1970. Um, that, that's a booger there with the two racing stripes going down the front of it. 
you know what I'm saying? And then the stick shift, that looks like a spaceship thing. It's like a square, and you push it forward, put it back. Beautiful car. Beautiful car, right? So I went to a guy and started talking to him about, I mean, like, you know how you act when you're not going to get nothing, you know, but you're just going to check it out, but you're trying to act like you're highfalutin. Well, I, I went up in there and started talking to money about the car. And I just say, if you're in the market for a classic car, what should you be looking for? He says, well, you can find classic car shells anywhere you want to. And he said, you can find ones that are running. He, he said, but I, I want you to be careful of ones that are too modernized. Um, because ones that are too modernized take away the value of the classic car. He said, you want to you wanna get to a car. You said, when, when you find one, you want to find one where they either have original everything restored in the inside, or they went to the manufacturer to, of the actual car and made sure that they got remade parts of the original uh, so that the car's value will be good and it'll be an easy fix and it, it'll, it'll move. And in other words, he, he said, he said don't, don't take these inauthentic models that look good on the outside but, 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 but are inauthentic in their originator's design on the inside. See, we need some Christians like that, yeah. some classic Christians. Some people that, 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 don't, that don't just have an outside that, that's attractive, but inside of them, they've been fully restored rightly by the original owner of all creation, and that's the living God through Jesus Christ. So when we talk about authentic Christianity, we're, we're talking about a Christianity that reflects what it was meant to be. We, we need a Christianity that, that is what God intended it to be from the beginning. Um, there, there, there needs to be time out for phonies. There needs to be later, see you later, uh, 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 for, for, for a whack philosophy of life. We want it to be normal place for there to be a sense of strength and authenticity in the lives of the people of God. I wish I had some help right there. But, but, but over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10, Paul is dealing with throughout the book this idea of authentic Christianity. And, and, and when he goes here in this section of the passage, he, he begins talking about their reputation. Say reputation. Uh, 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 that, that, that's a very, very good thing to have a good reputation. Uh, uh, the Bible says that, that, a, that a good name is better than silver or gold. And, 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 and because, because a name represents, it's interesting that, that God says, I, I am going, told Abraham, I am going to make your name great. But it's only as connected to God's name as Abraham is, as good as his name is going to get. And so right here in this passage, we see, we see, we see God doing something in a young group of, not, and when I say young, I'm not talking about age young. I'm talking about spiritual Age young Christians in Thessalonica, Paul, as you remember a few weeks ago, based on uh, Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through about the 7th verse, he, he went into Thessalonica, and as was, his, uh, 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 as was his custom, he would go into the synagogue, and he would go uh, into the synagogue because the people of God, the Jews, were uh, at least theologically familiar um, 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 with the historical record of God's work among his people. So he went where he had common ground. Somebody say common ground. And because he had common ground, he proclaimed for three Sabbaths and probably did so in between that while he was bivocational as a tent maker, making tents and then preparing sermons and going into the, on the Sabbath. And a, 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 bunch of, a bunch of prominent wealthy women became Christians. A few Jews became Christians. And, and, and then some Gentiles, non-Jewish people became believers. And immediately they began to go through a bunch of persecution. 
And as they began to go through this persecution, Paul had to dip and they had to run to another city. They went down to Berea, then Athens, so forth and so on. And then he, interestingly enough, was concerned about the spiritual stability of the people of God here in Thessalonica, this young group of brand new Christians of different ages that were of the spiritual age because same spiritual age because they trusted Christ at the uh, uh, near, near around the same time, and, and, and so to bring us to our first point on an authentic reputation, uh, um, um, the first thing you got to have biblically or that reflects rather uh, an authentic reputation is first godly emulation. Godly emulation. Look, look, look at the verse in verse 6. It says, and you became imitator of us, imitators of us and of the Lord. This, this is a beautiful word here. Um, um, in, in, in our culture, we're so used to individualism uh, um, um, that, that we like to all be unique, even though all, we're all fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God, based on 139. There's a sense in which we're a we're a bunch of big-time Jesus lookalikes, right? That, 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 that's, that's really what we all are if it boils down to it, if you know Jesus Christ as Savior. But in our culture, because we're so individualistic, all of us want to be unique. Now, I know they don't use this word no more, but back in the 80s, we used to live, we used a word called biting. You know what I'm saying? Biting. I don't know if y'all know about that. But biting meant, you know what I'm saying, you're doing the same thing with me. When my, even my son, if he's playing with some kids and, and they're doing something, why are you copying off of me? Stop copying off of me. Stop, mommy, he's doing, daddy, he's doing the same thing I'm doing. Tell him to stop. Well, that's not the sense of this passage. This, this copying or biting in this passage is actually good. It's actually good. This idea of imitators means to follow someone. To follow someone, something, or someplace. Now, biblically, Paul talks or uses this word imitators a lot. It's, it's a big part of the Christian life. Um, you see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, where he says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. That's good. Ephesians 5, 1, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Right? You also see over in Hebrews chapter 6, it says, So that you may not be sluggish. I like that but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So this idea of following someone or being an imitator is a big part of Jesus' ministry. If you remember back to John chapter 1, verse 35, you see that Jesus, um, the day after he was baptized, he, he walks past and John the Baptist is in the crowd with his disciples and they're chopping it up a little bit. I don't know what they're talking about, but, but, but they're chopping it up, getting it in a little bit. And Jesus walks past. I like how smooth Jesus is. Jesus walks past. They only speak to him. You know what I'm saying? He walks past. And then and I don't know if they went like this. I don't know what they did. But all I know is John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God. So Jesus, starts, Jesus is still walking. So Two disciples, it says, peels off John, starts to follow Jesus. This terminology is used euphemistically all the way through the book of John. And so they begin following Jesus. Now, Jesus, like me, when I'm walking in North Philly, when I'm walking from my house to the building, you know, somebody was behind me today when I was walking. Now, as I was walking, I heard steps. Now, for me, I'm going to look back and see what needs to happen because... <laughs> When you follow me in North Philly, you know, I'm trying to say, I'm trying to say, now, I'm trying to figure out, you know, is, is, is everything okay? How's they, how they dress? How they looking? Are they mugging? Is a couple of them, you know, got a chew stick in his mouth and a blunt on this side trying to get at your boy? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So I got to turn around and see if I need to go like this, like bow up a little bit or just keep walking. So, so I got to keep walking. I ain't going to do nothing. But I kept walking. And, and Jesus, this happened with him. 
And he stopped. And I like Jesus. He asked the best questions on the planet. He asked questions behind the question behind the question that really has to do with something deeper, not really what it is on the surface. And this is what he says to him. Jesus says to him, what do you see? That's so cool to me. He turns around. He just looks at him. He don't even say, what's up? He said, what do you see? Now, what Jesus is asking is a deeper question. He's not asking, can I help you? Can I give you directions? He's asking them, what do you want with me for real, for real? Now, 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 the reason why he's asking is because in their culture, people who wanted to be disciples of someone would posture themselves as a disciple of that person by initiating walking behind them. So that as they were walking with their rabbi, what they would do is they would mimic their rabbi. So if the rabbi was walking like this, you know, the students would say, oh, we got to switch up, we got to switch up. And so all the students would walk like this. If the rabbi scratched his head, uh, the student would scratch their head if the rabbi said, <clears throat> they would all do that at the same time. Why? Because they were emulating, they were imitating their discipler. But, 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 but Jesus said, I know culturally that, that a disciple tries to reflect the external things of their discipler. But, but, but I want to know, you don't know what I got for real, for real. So do you want to emulate me from the outside or do you want to emulate me from the inside? And see, that's the question. See, Jesus asked everybody a question. So when it says be imitators of God, what it's talking about is this sense in which all the people of God are to be conformed to the image of Christ and be apprenticed to Jesus for the rest of your life. The goal of your life is to look like Jesus, and everything in your life is rigged, like I always say, and booby-trapped to look like him. He said, follow me. Now, what does this mean in, 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 in bringing it in? It means that the church is supposed to be a disciple-making culture. That means you don't have the right to come here and just want to be something. Oh, man, I'm by myself. In other words, some people want people pouring into them only. And and when that ceases, they believe that their time at that church has ceased, not realizing that Jesus didn't say, go make believers. He said, go and make disciples. See, you haven't really been a Christian if you haven't made a disciple. You haven't walked in, you can be saved, I ain't talking about that, but I'm talking about living out Christianity in its greatest form. And, and, and Paul began to emulate this and put this in their lives so that they can have Jesus Christ lookalikes, that make Jesus Christ lookalikes, that make Jesus, generations of Jesus Christ lookalikes because men and women decide that they want to look like Jesus. And while they're repenting of their sin and following Jesus, they want to bring someone along with them to deal with mess and to walk with Jesus, keeping their eyes on Jesus. Jesus, the author and finisher of their faith, who started their faith, Jesus, who continues their faith, Jesus, and who's going to bring them to the fullness of their faith, Jesus. Why? Because all of us at the end of the day are here to look like Jesus. And that's why none of us have the right to sit spiritually on our hands. Listen, listen, you are supposed to be grinding by grace. (laughs) You're supposed to be on your grind by grace. To look like the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, and so, and so my man talks about this, and, and these are some characteristics of what it looks like, what it looks like when you're when you're properly having a disposition of a godly emulator. Number one, you're teachable. <clears throat> n- n- number one, number one, you're able to receive godly information from people. See, I, y'all know my pet peeve. I can't stand people that don't think they can learn nothing from nobody. They always got their mouth open and talking, amen, but an emulator is a sponge. 
When someone really wants to learn, they know what they don't know, and they, know, and they don't know what they don't know. And therefore, since they don't know what they don't know, they don't say nothing because they want to learn. And see, teachability is a spirit that is a sponge to the reception of the nutrients of the kingdom. That means sometimes you got to keep your mouth closed and your ears and heart open. Teachability. Number two, re- uh, responsiveness. That may, it's one thing to be able to hear from people. It's another thing to be able to respond and absorb what you're getting. So, so when you talk about being an emulated, the, the, the Thessalonian church was absorbing everything that God had for them. And, and, and I, I like that. And, and this is beautiful because these are new believers. These are new Christians. These aren't old head Christians who've been walking with Jesus for years. These are young bucks that are, dis, that are putting themselves in that way. He said, and they were, and he says in the verse, he says they were, became imitators of us and of the Lord. So it means they were also submissive to spiritual authority. That means they weren't the authority of their life when nobody couldn't tell them nothing. That, that, that means that not only was leadership their spiritual authority, but also people who poured into them were their spiritual authority that they were willing to submit to biblically to say, disciple me and pour into my life so that I can look more like Jesus Christ. And they were passionate and, and, and desirous of that. They, they had an openness about themselves that was phenomenal. You always want to be open. You don't want to be a life, you don't want to have a life that's marked by being closed. And that's what this entire church was together. Number two, number two, an authentic reputation also suffers well for the right reasons. Suffers well for the right reasons. Look at the last part of the verse. It says, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction. that's, 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 That's gully to me. All right, let me tell you why. Because the people, they, they, I mean, they didn't have this Christianity in our culture that promises all of these things to lure people into a confession of faith. The environment was hostile towards Jesus. The, but, 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 but they trusted Christ anyway because of God's grace on strengthening them to trust him. In the midst of that, they received the word. Now, this, this is powerful to me because, because they understood that becoming a Christian was going to be a beast. They, they knew that all of their troubles wouldn't go away, but some of them were just beginning. In other, in other words, sometimes becoming a Christian, things become worse. Uh, and, 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 so, and so they were afflicted, and they came into the faith, and they were walking with God with heat on their back. And, and, and that's it. See, see, if you can't suffer well, you, it, it, you're not living out an authentic Christian life. Because suffering well means you recognize the reason behind everything that's going on has to do with the glory of God on your life. And when you recognize that the glory of God is on your life, when you become a believer, that means then you become a target of the enemy because he hates God. It really ain't about you. It's about God. And he knows that you are a conduit for the glory of Christ. And because you're a conduit of the glory of Christ, he targets you to diffuse your ability and disqualify your ability to represent the glorious, beauteous, beautiful reign of Jesus Christ in your life. So they were afflicted as brand new Christians. But what I like about this is it reminds me of the parable of the soils. 
Because it says one of the, one of the swords, it, it, it received the word of God with joy, but the worries of the world and trials choked the word of God out of it. Why? Because it had no roots in it. That's what the text said. But listen, when you have an authentic faith, been transformed by an authentic gospel, been convicted by the authenticity of the power of the Spirit, the gospel takes rich root in you, and you're able to stand in the midst of anything. Why? Because you're afflicted. You're afflicted. You're afflicted. That means to be surrounded by crowds. That means everything in your life can be falling apart. But this is crazy. These are young believers, but this is how powerful God's investment is in us. Is God's investment is so powerful in us that even as a spiritually young Christian, he will entrust you with a lot of trials. You, oh, you thought he was just mad at you. He's... he's he, he's trusting you with his glory. Oh, if, I know God ain't no gambler, but if he was at the table, he said, I bank all on my babies. He goes just like that. He said, raise me all of it. Because why? Because God isn't having faith in us. He ain't got none in us. But he has faith in Christ's investment in our souls. And he said, Christ's root is so deep in them. Christ, see, the change of life is so real. The power of the blood is so fantastic that I'll put my children up against anybody, any place, anywhere. Why? Not because there's something about them, it's something about him. <laughs> and you better stand whatever you're in right now because it's a test of your faith. But you better know it produces endurance. And God's determined that he's going to have his perfect work in you. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but you better plant your feet on the solid rock. Because on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I'm going to stand my ground. The winds are coming. The waves are coming. But his investment plants me deep. I, I'm like a palm tree. One, one speaker said a palm tree is like this. A palm tree is an interesting type of tree because it was, notice that palm trees are always by the shore. Whenever you see a thunderstorm or a tornado or a hurricane going on, cars are flipping over, houses are on the sea. But, but, but listen, listen, the, the, I like the palm tree. The palm tree just bends. But, but look, but look, but look, the palm tree's roots go low. So, 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 so while the storm is going on, you may bend me, but you're not going to break me, devil. I wish I had some help. I may bend over a little bit. There's some storms that may hit me. My, my, my leaves may go like this a little bit, but I'm going to stand back up in my place when it's all over and say, I've been standing on a rock. You've been built to last. It was, a, it was a computer I was going to buy one time. And this computer was a military computer. And um, <coughs> now what's crazy about it is this computer is in a metal case. And I said, why in the world would I want something like that, dog? Why would I want that? He said, he said oh, I, I can do this. He could pick it up. Kaboom! It's falling on the ground. I was like, are you crazy? He opens it up. I was like, dang! I was like, it's still working. He says, yes. He says, because this, this computer was meant to carry sensitive information, but to do it in the midst of a battle. Oh, I wish I had some help. Listen, listen. <laughs> it, it, it was created to carry sensitive information, but no matter what hits it, 
Bombs dropping all around it. Matter of fact, it's even bulletproof. You can take a Glock and go clack, 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 and it'll just fall off of it. Why? Because it was built for battle. It may get a couple of scars on it. It may lose its paint job, but the contents still say the same. Oh, I wish I had some help. See, listen, when, when, when you're afflicted and you're empowered by God through the gospel, he invests durability into your spirit. He invests in you like that. And that's what's good about being a believer is you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. You don't have to lose hope in your difficulty. Because, yes, you're going to feel the waves. But the waves shouldn't take you up and take you away. I got to move. <laughs> but I, but I, I love the fact, this is what Jesus says about this. He starts giving them the introduction to Christianity on the Sermon on the Mount. That's intro to Christianity. These are some of the first words out of his mouth. Blessed are those who are persecuted. That was one of the first things he taught. <laughs> why, why, why don't you teach God? Give me a Bentley. Jesus didn't pre- preach, you know, chariots with rubies on them. Listen, he said, he said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Wow. How they blessed. Hold on. If you're going through something, for the right reasons, you're blessed. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, what you receive is bigger than your circumstances. Verse 11, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of word, evil words against you. Why? <coughs> falsely. Not you was wilding, but he said falsely and then on my account. It has to do with him and you have to be innocent. <laughs> he, he, and this is what he said, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets before you. This is powerful. Because what's interesting about this level of persecution is the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians is not going through the persecution that they went through in 2 Thessalonians. Listen to the type of trials they were going through. One commentator says, this, this does not refer to physical persecution, but social harassment. Many sources do indicate, however, the offense, even disgust felt by non-Christian neighbors and fellow citizens when converts to Christianity declined to take part in normal social and cultic activities. Wow. Listen, family members also felt a strong sense of betrayal over relatives who, on the account on the basis of their newfound faith, broke ancestral traditions and showed an appalling lack of concern for their familial responsibilities that was against the glory of Christ. Let me tell you something. You better learn how to stand. Let me tell you why. Because some of you, y'all ain't going through being burnt at the stake or nothing, but some of y'all are dealing with great harassment. And you're under emotional duress. And the Bible calls that affliction. And guess what? God has given you the grace to stand it. I know some of y'all are crying up at night because you've been rejected by people. But God says, just, just the wind going to blow. I'm here with you. I'm, I'm, right, I'm right here with you. I, I mean, I'm not, going, I'm not going nowhere. They'll go somewhere. When your mother and father forsake you, I'll take you up. He said, let them, let them go. Let, he said, don't wave to them all crazy saying, bye, I see you. He said, just let me take care of you. 
because I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So I'm just trying to tell you, you better learn how to make the most of what you go through. You better clench on to the robe of Christ. Oh, I got to move. I got I to move. I got to move. I got to move. I got to move. Uh, next point. If you're going to have... If, if, if you're going to have this type of authentic Christianity we're talking about, uh, 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 this type of reputation, authentic reputation, next thing is you must have unending satisfaction with the Lord. <laughs> no, I, no, I look at what the text says. Look at what the text says. It says, so, it says, so, it says, and, and, you, and you have received uh, the word in much affliction. Then it says, with joy of the Holy Spirit. Yes. That's craziness. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. How are you going to get in some trials and have joy? Now, what is joy? Joy is unending satisfaction with the Lord no matter what happens. Let me say that again. Joy is unending, uninterrupted, no commercial breaks, satisfaction with the Lord. Listen, that means that while they were going through the affliction, even though they were in a storm in their life, there was a sense that they weren't in a storm. Why? Because when you're satisfied with the Lord, it changes how you look at everything. See, if satisfaction is only found in where you are in life, who you have and who you don't have versus who is in you, you, you listen, joy, the world didn't give it. The world can't take it away. Why, why, why? That's why you're supposed to count it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the te- I'm get, you, a testing of your faith produces endurance. And then you say, let your, let, listen, let endurance have its perfect work in you. That's how David could say in Psalm 4, verse 1, uh, he said, hear me when I cry, O Lord, for you have delivered me in my distress. That's weird. Hold on. He didn't say, God, you delivered me out of my distress. God, you didn't take me out of my circumstances. He says, while I was yet in my circumstances, your joy, your joy made it feel like I already had deliverance, even though hell was still breaking loose. Let me say you something. No matter where you are in your walk with Christ, God can make a boat in a storm feel like you're on a cruise on the Riviera. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let me tell somebody again, because y'all ain't heard me yet. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's, it was good to, for me that I was afflicted. Uh-huh. But many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers them out of all of them. Why? Because joy gives you stability in the midst of instability. <coughs> I, 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 I'm a living witness. I remember my wife, body wrecked with cancer. Three times. There were many times I was preparing her funeral in my mind. As a five years into our marriage, because I didn't know if I was going to live to, uh, she was going to live to be 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. But I don't know what happened when, when, she, when she had the liver, liver stuff and we thought she was going to die. When we had our first son, we thought he was going to die. Listen, if I, I was in my 20s, and let me tell you something, if it wasn't for the joy of the Lord, I would have lost my mind. And I don't know, some, we would be in there. And the Lord said, take out your computer. And I would put on, we didn't have iTunes then, that's before iTunes. Um, we put on media player, right? We put on media player, I put on a worship medley for her. And she's going back into surgery. And I'm holding the computer and we got our hands up while the anesthesiologist is putting the anesthesia in her. Let me tell you something. You better learn how to bless God even though it hasn't happened yet. Let me tell you, it was an old lady in my church. Her name was Miss Baker. 
Miss Baker, we was, now I grew up in the United Methodist Church, and, it, and it was, we was called a frozen chosen, you know what I'm saying? So any type of worship is a disruption to the worship gathering. So, so, so what happened was Miss Baker, Miss Baker would say, she was Aunt Esther on steroids, you know what I'm saying? Hi, Gloria, hey, hey, going like that in the service. Now you got to understand, she went through a lot of things. And what would happen is, is when she would start going through it, she would start utilizing something interesting because this is what I learned from her. God has already given you joy, so you're not trying to get it. So the Bible never tells you, go get joy. <clears throat> it tells you to rejoice. Oh, my goodness. Because you already got it. And so what you do is you, you start saying, God, I know it's hard, but I bless you. God, it's hard, but it's difficult. But I'm going to lift my hands to you. God, I, I'm not delivered yet, but, I'm, but, but as for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And listen, we started worshiping. The anesthesiologist was looking at us like we was crazy. But little did he know that we had a joy he didn't know about. And we began worshiping his name. And listen, listen, listen. And she did like this. She said, and we're on to sleep. <laughs> Why? Because you got to learn. You got to learn how to bless God. See, some of y'all do, I ain't blessing the Lord. Sure, I ain't doing that, man. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to seem like I'm wild or nothing. You know, I just, you know, every now and then a tear come right there. You know, I blink that jump back in like that. <laughs> Let me tell you, the most masculine thing you can do is honor God through blessing his name. <laughs> the most masculine thing you can do. Listen, listen, some of y'all single brothers may get a wife that way. She may see you lifting up your hands and blessing the Lord and honoring him in difficulty. She don't want no joker. She, 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 she want a joy shaker. I wish I had some help. Listen, listen, you better allow what you're going through. Use it to your advantage. Harness it. Harness your plane to lift your hands. Harness your plane to walk with God. Harness your plane to say, I'm going to get closer to him. Harness it. Put a backpack on and carry your joy with you. That's what it means to be an authentic Christian, <laughs> is you're durable. You were made for this. I want you to do like David and encourage yourself next time you get in a mess and all you're hearing is negativity. Just say, I'm built for this. I'm just saying, I'm built for this. It's going to be all right. God's going to take care of me. He may not take me out of it, but he'll keep me while I'm in it. God, I'm going to just stay faithful to you. God, I'm going to keep walking to, with you. I'm going to keep living for you. I'm going to keep getting in the scriptures. I'm going to keep getting in prayer. I'm going to keep walking in holiness. I'm going to keep, oh my God, I'm going to keep walking. Oh God, I'm going to keep rejoicing. Oh, it's going to be. I need the Lord to push me through my circumstances. I got to move, family. I got to move. I got to move. <laughs> you better learn. You better learn. You better learn that he's good when things are bad. See, listen, let me just say something else. See, joy helps you not to get in a circumstance where your mind plays tricks on you that God isn't good. See, joy is the reminder that you have.
Joy is the reminder that you have that God has not changed. The more you walk with him, the more you walk with him, you'll see his track record. <laughs> Over and, because trials will make you forget what God brought you through before. And what you have to do is you have to call all things to remembrance that he's done before. I got to move. I got to move. I'll preach on joy until Jesus come back. Next point. Next point. We have to have exemplary lives. Exemplary lives. Exemplary lives. It says, it says so that, right, right here in, in verse 7, it says, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. That's crazy to me. Their, their, their joy in the midst of trials, their afflictions, everything that they went through was crazy. Big Christians all over their country and the country over and the country over here began, guess what? Guess what? Talking about God bringing these new believers into a relationship with him and them having unending satisfaction with him. And it encouraged, <coughs> it encouraged other believers. How many of you know? Let me tell you something. When the people of God suffer well, what happens is, is people get encouraged by the encouragement that God has encouraged you with. And, and see, 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 listen, it, it's not just about your sanctification when you go through difficulty. It's God prepping you to help other people to rejoice when they go through. So what happened is, is all the Christians were being persecuted. They saw that they were rejoicing, and they said, these are young Christians, and we've been walking with Jesus longer, and we're not rejoicing. We need to start rejoicing in the Lord in our circumstances too. Let me tell you, your joy is not just for you. It's for everybody. Because <coughs> somebody's going through what you're going through. God has licensed and certified them at a particular point in time after you to go through exactly what you've gone through so that when you've gone through, when they've gone through it, you're able to minister to them. So when it went out, when it went out, it went out about what was happening here. And they became, it said, and they became an example. Somebody say example. Yeah. That word example there is an interesting word. It means to be an exemplary image of Jesus Christ. It means to be, it, it, what's interesting is this word means to mark as a result of a blow of pressure. To mark or to trace an embodiment of characteristics or something that functions as a model. So what, what, what began to happen, and the same word is used of Jesus' scars in his wrists in John 20, 25, when, it, when, when Thomas put his hands in there. This same word, example, is used for his scars. That's, I don't know what connection that is there, but I just think it's beautiful that those marks in Jesus' wrists point to our exemplary lives and walking with him in the midst of marks, still showing off who he is. Why? Because being marked by difficulty is to identify you with the image of Christ because he suffered first, therefore leaving this example to follow in. I got to move. Let me just say this. They, they, listen to what they, they weren't known for a lot. They, they weren't known for a lot. They, they, they weren't known for having the hottest worship services on the planet with the greatest band, the greatest singers, the greatest praise dancers. They didn't have the largest building. They didn't have one. They didn't, we don't know what they met in the house. We don't know. They, 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 didn't, we, we, they weren't known for their creativity because of their artistic expression was off the chain and beastly. Uh, they, they didn't have the beastliest outreaches. <laughs> they, they, uh, and they didn't have the most well-known pastor. 
Uh, they weren't known by their liberties, taking advantage of their liberties. They weren't the coolest. They weren't the fastest growing church. And they did not have a beautiful website. They didn't have the best art. But what they were known for and what they did have was their faithfulness and commitment to Jesus Christ is what was known. See, that's important, you guys. What you're known for is extremely important. What the church is known for is important. That's why we have to walk on the same page. And look what he says further. He says, he says, for they themselves report concerning us. Verse 9, the kind of reception we had among you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Listen to this. And to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Listen, they were putting their hope in the return of Christ. That's what their joy was in. They, they were putting their hope in the return of Christ, but they weren't to become idle in their hope. Because some I know you heard the term, um, you're so heavenly minded, you have no earthly good. But listen, true heavenly mindedness is of earthly good. So, so, so they were both ethically and eschatologically sound where they had ethics that were now in the scriptures, but they had an eschatological vision that gave them the imprint of what they should be doing now. Listen, you better focus on Jesus. You better let your eyes stay on Jesus. And the only way is you got to get a pictorial of what he's like. Many of us have bad pictures of Jesus. We say stuff about Jesus that's not true. <laughs> you got to get in the scriptures and beginning look at a picture of what he's like. And let him change your view of what he's like. Let him change your view of what he's like. And that's where your reputation comes from. That's where your value comes from. That's where your life comes from. But it's funny. It says here, this is what they did. And he says, whom he raised from the dead, talking about Jesus, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. That's what they put their trust in. The one whose hands they were in at one time to go to hell. The wrath of God to come was to spend eternity separated from him. But they were enjoying the fact that the living God had taken them from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his son. And now they don't have to live eternally separated from God under the wrath of God, but the death and blood of Christ has covered them and Christ was raised from the dead and their hope is in the fact that I spend eternity with God. But what's beautiful about that is eternity with God doesn't start when Jesus comes back for the believer. Eternity with God starts the moment you trust Christ as Savior. Now you're, you're walking in eternity, eternal life right now. Did, did you know that? You're walking in eternal life right now. Now, 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 the culmination of that eternal life is when he comes. And I just got to tell y'all, when he comes, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be, I'm going to, listen, all of y'all going to be standing in the multitudes and Jesus is going to be somewhere and I'm going to be running on y'all shoulders <laughs> like this to get to the Savior. And, and I, I want to see him as he is. And I want to bow to my knees. This is what your hope needs to be and look into his face. And for the first time, you get to thank him face to face. Let me say that again. You, you're going to get to thank God face to face. The, the back in the day, the Bible said no man can see God and live. But because of Christ's death, 
giving us new bodies with a new spirit. He will give us eyes, no matter what color they are, to look right at him without dying and to see him in all of his essence, in all of his glory, in all of his beauty. And you think you worship now because you hear a good song? You think you worship now because somebody preached a little something, something? You think you were? Listen, when you see him as he is, I mean, my spirit may jump out of my body while my body's standing. I may just go like this and do a slide and get back in my body and just do like this and say, Woo, I'm so glad you saved me, Jesus. I'm going to hug him. I'm going to kiss him. I'm going to pick him up. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, it's going to be like a rock concert. We're going to be pushing Jesus across the crowd like that. It's going to be great. He's going to dive off his throne like this. It's going to be great. And I'm just telling y'all, I'm just telling y'all, let that give you joy. Let that give you joy.